0: Hey, welcome to the next episode of Agile Actually, where we are going to be talking about mindset versus philosophy. And with us today, we obviously have uh, myself and Simon, but we have a special guest, which is Oscar. How are you doing,
1: Oscar? Hello. Very good. Thank you. Very good. And thank you for having me.
2: Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, this uh, invitation to Oscar came about from a, a side discussion. There is a lot of noise we see around agile mindset, agile outlook, agile schema, agile philosophy. Yeah, does it matter? Now we've done a previous podcast about words matter. Is anybody not in the agile echo chamber at all bothered? <laughs> about what you call it? Or is it just the people in the agile echo chamber that just like doing a, a an overly exaggerated bout of navel gazing about what we call this particular thing? And we're going to follow that up with the second question is given the events of 23, does it impact or matter really? Discuss. Did I frame that nicely?
0: I think I think that worked quite well, Simon, and I. I think you're 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 right that outside of, let's call it the agile community, i.e., people who are in the agile space, making money off the agile space, talking about agile. That's what I would call the agile the agile community. Um, outside of that, nobody cares what. It's called whether it's a mindset or it's a philosophy or it's a a schema or an outlook or whatever it is they don't really care and to be honest, they don't really care whether it's called a backlog item or a user story they don't really they don't really care they're gonna call it whatever they call it um and I do find that when i'm the only time the only two times when i when I care about when when words matter if you remember from the previous podcast Simon the only two times I care when words matter is one when I'm training yeah and I'm being specific about this is what this is this is how I'm defining it and when I say this this is what I mean um and when I'm talking on the PST WhatsApp group right because that's also that's that's part of that echo chamber but it's where we're talking about and noodling on those, those, not, I guess there are technical pieces, right? The technicalities of it, but it's when those conversations spill out onto LinkedIn that you start getting a bunch of civilians, normal people who don't really care about the difference going, blah, 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 framework wars, blah, 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 blah. And it's it's not. It's people having a conversation using terminology within the context of a specialist subject. And it can sometimes look like um, framework wars, although there is also framework wars, right? That is also a thing. Did that kind of make sense?
2: Yeah, I, I, you're talking about jargon, right?
0: Yes, yeah, just, just like if you had a couple of... I, I definitely would never compare myself to a neurosurgeon, right? But if you had a couple of neurosurgeons having... Or, or three neurosurgeons having a conversation about some piece of their work, to folks from the outside, it's either going to sound unintelligible or elitist or um, just a bunch of crap, right?
2: Well, I'm really hoping that three neurosurgeons discussing something of infinite technical detail is elitist because I want them. I want them to demonstrate their 14 years of training. Thanks very much. Um, who who knew that, you know, experienced practitioners actually have to earn their stripes. Oscar, what's your thoughts, mate?
1: Um, I, I think you're both kind of capturing my point on this as well. Um, What springs to mind as we're talking about it is one of the things you see a little hint of it behind me is the the kinevan framework by the wonderful dave snowden and that's gone through several iterations and it's not because he thinks it's lots of fun i think it's a a, an effort to get better accuracy in the language that is being used to describe the phenomena, right and i think what comes to us is Ultimately, we are empiricists, right? We are following the evidence. We're trying to, as best possible, capture these things and then find language to share them with others. And as we find language that better describes what we're actually trying to do, we want to use that. And then, of course, people who are not as informed, as you say, not as expert, they might go, well, hang on a minute. You told me this and now you're using this language. Why why did you misinform me? Right. So people can often feel Uh, not offended but they can feel I guess hurt or confused as to why things are suddenly different when they learned something and especially Mm -hmm. if they've been in a capacity where they have been furthering that advice that can suddenly feel like they've been now sharing the wrong message and they can feel upset as a result so I can see why there's a lot of emotions in here even if everyone understands why we're doing it absolutely i would say to the to the uh, and i'm one of these people i get in i get annoyed with the phrase of civilians for non-practitioners and stuff i right? hear comedians and others saying ah these civilians are like they're they're people right we're all people right but i i understand what we use right it's the layman yeah, it's the yeah, normal yeah, person the non the, the non-nerds right exactly uh, punky absolutely punky yeah. Exactly. The locals, yeah exactly exactly um exactly and um uh, yeah i think to them ultimately it doesn't matter they care about Getting on with their day doing their nine to five, you know, staying happy, paying their rent—that that's what ultimately matters, right? Uh, but I for us, I think it's important to nerd out about this. There's a thing are...
0: that upsets me though. That well, I guess upset is probably too strong, right? It's it's I'm not I'm not sitting crying in the corner, but um, uh, irks irks me is when um, those those discussions are are, are weaponized and i'm not saying i don't weaponize them myself right i'm I'm definitely definitely not a saint in that story i don't think any of us are but when you you see those you see those posts i think simon was talking about it before um the agile is dead right um or uh i don't know
2: Scrum, scrum is dead.
0: Scrum sucks. Whatever, whatever it is. Not, it's not yeah. usually as, yeah. as, as, as generic as Scrum sucks. It's usually... No,
2: no, no, that's 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 a big theme. I've seen a lot right, of it this reviews year.
0: reviews don't work. Or, you know, but who every, needs the daily planning?
2: Right? But every time I've seen one of those, Martin, to jump in, I think I'm going to articulate your point. Every time I've seen one of them, they then list off a litany of stuff, and it reminds me of Inigo Montoya and the Princess Bride is like, I don't think that word means what you think it does. And what they're describing is not scrum or is not agile. And yes, this is this goes back to our previous thing about the importance of vocabulary and to leap in, there's a reason um, Dave Snowden used Kenevan. Yep. He deliberately chose a Welsh word. And by using that, it enabled him to open up a discussion about that space and really it's to get people to be mindful and not to, to jump in to going, oh, I'm in this quadrant, I must do X. And that's why Stacy got rid of his matrix because people were abusing it, right? And that's, that's the danger is when folks who don't understand the full portent of a key word then start using it or misusing it, it creates more confusion.
0: Well, and also the immediate response that they have, because our immediate response, when somebody says, I'm just gonna pick something, uh, 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 the sprint review doesn't work because the product owner shouldn't be hearing about things at that moment in time, right? So, So you and I all know that Though well, that's not how the sprint review is supposed to work. Your 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 purpose is to get your stakeholders in, and your product owner should be the one doing. It's their marketing event, collecting feedback and engaging with the stakeholders, rather than it being the people doing the work, marketing and presenting it to the product owner. But the immediate response when we correct that, uh, uh, um, I don't know incorrectness
2: misunderstanding so,
0: misunderstanding is oh you're just saying it you know we're not doing it we're not doing it right and that's why it doesn't work and that's that's the immediate rebuttal to to any 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 defense of any specific technical topic right
2: i'm, is, I'm laughing oh,
0: you just said we're not doing it right me, 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 me.
2: i'm laughing because my wife and i had a massive argument about pizza and calzoni, and this just goes to show what a nerd I am. Uh, the argument was pizza does not equal calzoni. That's my thesis. Yep. Right, because pizza is a flat piece of dough with some sauce, some ingredients, some cheese. You bake it. It comes out in a certain format. Yeah. Now, a calzoni will have a similar thing. It's dough with ingredients and cheese and sauce, but you fold it over. Yep, my wife's argument was but it's got the same ingredients and i'm like yes sure. but there's a different output and we we ended up agreeing to disagree I like a pizza does not equal calzoni and but, she's like yeah they're close but, enough and i'm but, like no, yeah, no, yeah. no 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 not because the cheese doesn't grill and melt and all that lusciousness you get out of a pizza whereas you fold it over it just melts it doesn't get that nice crispy bit that you should get off it and this is the same thing that happens in the agile world, whereas most people are just going, I don't care. I'm hungry. Can I just have some food? Yeah. And it's only us agilists that are really, and, and then you talk to an Italian about pizza and you mention pineapple and it starts a whole oh, other yeah. There's
0: violence going to happen at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I think that's, that's the crux of, 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 the issue but i don't i don't know that there's i don't know that there's a a resolution to it or even the intent that there should be a resolution to it right because if i was observing a bunch of people talking about some technical context that i don't understand and for example if i was doing um i say i'm doing Oh, well, actually, I'm going to use a specific example because it was my favorite one of all time because um, I, 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 it was not my finest moment in my reply, uh, but I was working with a, an organization in the US and we were talk- I was doing a presentation to the entire leadership team, the development team, and we were talking about DevOps, right? So this was in my, my DevOps days. We're talking about DevOps. We're talking about continuous delivery. We're talking about unit tests. We're talking about all of those things, and I'm showing how those things work in Visual Studio, like as I'm talking, I, I, I'm doing that. And I was talking about unit tests. And the lead engineer in the organization kind of stopped me and said, that's, that's not what we call unit tests. right? So I'm talking about testing a single unit, running, running lots of tests, right?
2: Not crossing a class boundary. Sorry? Not cross, crossing not a class crossing or method boundary. Right.
0: Yeah, all, all of all of the, all of all of that goodness. Oh, so I destroying. just want to make
2: sure that you and I are aligned.
0: And yeah, exactly. And 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 she said that's not what we call unit tests. It's kind of like, well, what, what's a unit test for you? And she said, well, we open it up in Visual Studio, we hit the play button, and we click through the application, and that's a unit test.
2: Oh, that's an exploratory test,
0: right? But that—that's where they come back to that words matter. They're—they're they're doing unit tests wrong. They're using the word unit test to describe something that is not mm. absolutely categorically is not a unit test. My my my—I think we we got down to, um. I think I one of my replies was I used the Wikipedia definition of unit test, right? Like I, this, I'm this, just.
1: That, that sparked an idea in me on where where now we've moved from the transition of why us as you know experts and nerds care about words and where it actually starts to now go into the overlap of where using the right language starts to impact you know the the average person right the actual consumer and if i was a stakeholder and in their definition of done it said that they had unit testing throughout the product and I'm expecting, therefore, a certain quality in there, and what they have defined as unit testing is not what they're actually doing, now there's a problem.
0: Well, I got to the bottom of it, Oscar, and exactly what you're saying is is what happened, is that Hmm. um, somebody in the business had heard about this unit tests thing, didn't Hmm. understand it enough to know what is and is not a unit test, and said, I want to see you running unit tests. I want to see higher quality in my product, right? As, as you would expect mm-hmm. a business to demand higher quality in their, in, their, in their product. It's okay. They were only writing software that managed gas running through pipelines across the US. So oh, That's all right. It's only yeah, America. You know, okay. yeah. do about it. Nothing that needs quality. Um, and the, not risk the business mandated unit tests and their software stuck right? I'm just using that as a colloquial suck. It was not designed in a way that would enable you to write effective unit tests, right? That's what I mean by sucks. And uh, so because it was so hard to write unit tests, but they were required by the business, they're measured to write unit tests. They came up with a way of meeting the measure without actually doing the thing. I will just change the definition of the thing.
2: Oh, that's... That's almost as good as that all tests pass and that at the end of each test, you've just got to say it is true, true. Yeah. Um,
0: Isn't this exactly that story of, well, people will just say you're not doing it right. You know, agilists will just say you're not doing it right when actually they are, in fact, not doing it right.
2: All right. So Hmm. we're, we're going down the words matter rabbit hole again and... From what I'm picking up, we're all having a heated agreement and we can pull more examples than we care out of examples where we get cross discussion, where we have a misunderstanding based on uh, different definitions. I think hmm. we concur, right you certain keywords, certain jargon has matter as has, is incredibly important for a nuanced conversation. To get us back to the headline, you know, does it really matter whether we talk about an agile mindset, an agile outlook, an agile schema, an agile philosophy? Like, does it, when when we get to that very high level, does it matter? Because I, I remember a while ago, I chucked a LinkedIn post out and said, um, you know, mindset, you know, implies a fixed outlook, like mindset, like the, by you look at it, you know, mindset, okay, we're set. Whereas Agile Outlook uh, implies that, you know, it can change. And this is one of the things I love about Snowden's work on estuary mapping and stuff. He talks about direction of travel over goals because we we really don't know. Um, And by mixing that up, opens up that ability to reflect and change. My question to you both, given that we accept vocabulary is really important for a nuanced discussion when we get to the meta does it really matter whether we say outlook philosophy mindset schema or is it just those in the agile bubble what do you what do you reckon
0: i think it i think okay i think i'm going to say uh, something opposite to what i said before i think it fundamentally does matter when you're the one who's seen as the expert in that space that you use terminology that's representative of the thing you're trying to communicate because while people may not use all the average person who's then regurgitating that may not use the same terminology. Like you just said, Simon, the difference between mindset, fixed state, and outlook, moving state, is actually quite an important distinction from the perspective of, uh, and that's that's why I talk about red versus blue, right? Your your theory X versus theory Y, Taylorism versus uh, uh, whatever you want to call a different state that that those try we're trying to if we forget about the term agile we're trying to engage with people and enable them to be in a fluid state to be like the 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 boxer that's rolling with the punches and engaging with the situation as it happens in order to get to the uh, some kind of conclusion or outcome that they're trying to achieve and agile is just the current word that we use to talk about that movement and it's had different words in the past and it'll have different words in the future and that part is irrelevant that that that's why i think while as experts our words matter but for the average person the words don't matter does that make sense i know i say does that make sense a lot Get me trouble all the time. For the I, I
1: think it does, and I think it comes into what experts say eventually does trickle into common parlance and, and common understanding. And I think we see it a lot in, in language in all spaces. And I think, you know, not to get into the does language matter thing, but even in terms of this, it does long term have an impact. Because talking about mindset and saying that, hey, you've got the wrong mindset, right? You need to have the right mindset versus even saying you've got the wrong outlook or you need a different outlook. Even then, there, there's a emotional response to being told you think wrong versus you're not quite looking at it right. And even there already, there's a pretty large impact. And if we talk about, hey, let's look at things differently and approach Do them differently. that I think that, that. will trickle awesome.
0: Do Most people get that, that? distinction. Do most people get that Good distinction point. between outlook and mindset? I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure most people do.
2: And this is where mindset hmm. has been in common parlance for a long time, right? Yeah. And the the rebuttal from one person was like, "You're redefining a commonly used term, and that can create confusion." Um, which I thought, you know, reasonable point. You haven't changed my mind. <laughs> Um, and I think when, be it agile, be it whatever, what we're trying to do is get things to move in a more positive direction and enable that adaptability, that inspect and adapt cycle, that, that learning continuous improvement. You know, that's one of the things that people latched onto, uh, about the Toyota way and lean where you start using those, um, uh, key terms and they're, they're Japanese because that was the framework, right? It was primarily in Japan. And it's interesting to see people misuse those because there's nuance, right? Interestingly, different cultures will translate the words. And I think it came up on the WhatsApp group that um, the word, like the Harry Potter movies, like the first Harry Potter book and movie in the rest of the world is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone where it's the Sorcerer's Stone in the United States. Now, interestingly,
0: it's because philosophers are scary to
2: Americans. Well, I don't want to go into any, you know, baiting of stereotypes here, but that, that whole, like all science stemmed from the ancient philosophers. They were some of the earliest Exhibitors and practitioners of an empirical approach—they'd have a theory and they'd they'd riff on it. Now, interestingly, it was the Spanish Inquisition and the the, per, the Christian purge of the Middle Ages that lost us a lot of the ancient Greek works because it talked about atomic principles and empiricism and you know polytheism or even the, the potential absence of a god. Um, yep. So. Um, you know, if if we think about those words, questioning how it translates into languages other than English, um, I'd love to be able to speak another language, but does it just default to Wikipedia? And the danger of that is anyone can edit Wikipedia, right?
0: Well, so you, you, you say that, however, however, um, the average amount of time something that is incorrect in a main article stays on wikipedia is 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 minutes because somebody will come along and correct it the difficulty with wikipedia is that it represents prevailing understanding not actual correctness but then really does anything represent actual correctness the encyclopedia britannica was one organization, one group of people's interpretation of the facts and the understandings and the definitions. Wikipedia just represents the collective understanding of the contributors to its content, right? So if you go onto Wikipedia and change it to say something that is different from that prevailing understanding, that 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 there w- it will be corrected back. Corrected. I'm using the wrong phrase, right? It's not correct, but changed. changed, changed, back, right to 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 what it was before. And I think that that's where there's a lot, lar- in general, a lot of f- folks um, disregard what it says on 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 Wikipedia, but it actually represents what the the current best understanding of that topic,
2: right? Of the majority view of a large collection of people. Now the thing is that yeah. you get into certain Skills and disciplines. The majority view is not necessarily correct.
0: I agree. I never said yes. I was not attesting to the correctness of Wikipedia, just that it is the prevailing understanding. But if you if you were an expert in psychology, and you have the credentials to back that up, and you cite the 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 the, the references in order to get something that the prevailing understanding um it it, you want to change and you go into the i don't know the, the bit of wikipedia that we don't really look at right is the is the talk part and the debate around the topic and people proposing changes and the debate that ensues around that referencing material and generally in general um most people that participate in the debate understand generally understand the topic that's that's under debate right they've they've either they're either self, self-styled experts who's read a lot on that topic and read a lot of the references which is really the same as uh, uh, uh as, as much as anybody can do um or they're qualified experts i.e they've been through some kind of accreditation university or whatever it is on that on that topic So I, I I think it's fair to say that, that Wikipedia is generally correct. I'm not saying that there's, it's all correct, but I would also say that there's no textbook that is all correct.
2: Okay. So interestingly enough, you've dumped the Wikipedia bit in the chat. It's a, a mindset is an established set of attitudes of a person or group concerning culture, values, philosophy, frame of mind, outlook, and disposition. So the like reason
0: that. I put it in the chat was because it includes both outlook philosophy. This position is included in that, that, that understanding of mindset. And it mm. could be that th- this is, this is where dictionaries are difficult, right? Because dictionaries generally have an editor or editors and that editor or editors decides when the works words change. Oh, there's a great blog post, uh, uh, not blog post, but a blog of somebody who is that person who edits the definition of words on the internet and they write blog posts about their journey of discovery on a particular word and the amount of effort they put in is huge, but there's hundreds of thousands of words in the dictionary. They can't get to all of the words in the dictionary on a frequency that something like wikipedia for example can provide that perhaps wikipedia better represents the meaning and definition of things as most people use it and understand it
2: i think we're straying off topic we're 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 straying into the whole world of is democratization of veracity as valid as experts which interesting but you know um not quite on point sure so uh, if I summarise what you're suggesting is that given that Wikipedia uses mindset as a catch all for all those terms, call it mindset and move on. Stop getting worried about it.
0: Yeah. Stop messing around. You use the word you like, but don't get upset if people use mind don't don't correct people for using the word mindset when it includes the word you're using anyway.
2: Okay. Right. So um interesting other thing is I think people take offense too easily these days, but that's another possible <laughs> podcast. That,
0: that is um, definitely, I think so that could be a dangerous podcast,
2: but yes. Well, yeah. Anyway, so stop taking offense. It's a words. As long as you're heading in the right direction, get over it.
0: Yep.
2: Oscar, you're nodding. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, been, I've been mulling over what you've been talking about in, in the background and uh, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm in agreement. It kind of occurred to me in terms of, again, I think it's it's difficult, if not impossible, to separate some of this in terms of using the right language and also does language matter? And a, a big thing, which I know we've had a conversation as, as a wider group before, uh, offline, so to speak, uh, is about the evolution of language. And I think chances are, mindset as we were starting to talk about this early on, we felt uncomfortable with because it didn't quite mean what it's starting to mean in common parlance anymore. And my mom, uh, my mother is a linguist in the English language, and one of the things she told me as a fun thing to care about language was, uh, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact line, is something around the lines of, I am so gay to have intercourse with you tonight, uh, which meant I'm very happy to be talking to you tonight. Yep. Right. These days, it would be interpreted as something very different. Right, And I think the same is probably happening with things like mindset now as well, where as experts, we've been focusing on the specific meanings of some of these words. And I know for a lot, the discomfort has been that mindset isn't really a defined thing. But perhaps it's starting to be. And maybe we as experts now need to catch up with the evolution of language and use mindset instead.
2: Okay, so given that we're all professional scrum trainers, um, and we also have very strong interest in Kanban. There's certain reserved words that are very important to us, right? Yep. So stick with them, let it go. And I think it, it's also then leading us to the second point is the state of the, the backlash against agility in uh, social media, the, the changes throughout 23, the, the great purging um, in American industry at any, at any point of Scrum Masters, Agile coaches, and this also ties into like, should life coaches be Scrum Masters and stuff like that. But basically, That's if we're not helping shift the needle in organisations, you know, us sitting on the sidelines, mucking around, having word games,
0: not- we're going to be
2: unemployed really quick, right? Because you're really not adding any value there. If, unless there's that, like, unit tests, exploratory tests, yeah, you know, there's a hill I'm prepared to die on, right? <laughs> Isn't that, that's really important to your testing pyramid. It has a huge impact on your DevOps cycle, your feedback loops, all of that good stuff. That That's really important, but mindset, get over it. But um, sprint, I think it's worthwhile for the scrum vocab and the Kanban vocab is once we get into the detailed elements of framework, making sure it's specified and used well. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, I think that goes back to our our words matter when, when there are reserved words, if you're working within a particular context, those, those words have very specific and explicit meaning and not other things. The same way when a a surgeon's performing an operation and they ask for a particular implement that has a particular name, they expect to get the thing they're expecting to get because everybody understands that this is what that thing is. So when we talk about sprint review or we talk about a sprint, um, those words have very specific meaning. Or we talk about cycle time or we talk about, well, maybe we don't talk about lead time, but we talk about cycle time right and i am i'm i'm trying to avoid the the what's the 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 phrase i usually say square is to rectangle as leap time is to cycle time right the 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 they're all cycle times there's just a special type special name for some particular cycle times that that aren't always as reserved as we think they are but cycle yeah. time is is the is the specific what the thing is that i mean um, but things like that, things like throughput, things like uh, um, our, our work item aging, these are things that are very specifically defined. And luckily, they're really weird words that people don't use for other things. The difficulty, I think, is that, and I, I read recently that in a, in, a, in the most recent State of Agile report, 90% of all software teams surveyed said they were doing Scrum Ninety
2: percent, right? Uh, I, I think that going back to my pizza analogy, the the number of um, varieties of what really is a pizza is now wide open, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's the same with that. That if, if we were to compare what that ninety percent of people said to what's in the Scrum guide, ninety percent of them are probably like Right? They're not actually doing. They're not actually doing doing what it says in the Scrum Guide. They're doing something that's kind of similar, and that's where when we talked before about words matter, I really liked that the 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 ALM Rangers at, at Microsoft when they implemented a version of Scrum to help them in their context. It was a very specific context. They couldn't have dailies because people weren't full time and all this kind of stuff. They called it Ruck. Right? they used a different word it's, it's another scrum terminology Oscar uh, from, from rugby rugby terminology they used a different word to mean that thing when, when uh, uh, AAA in the US or is it AA? I can't remember AAA I think in the US the insurance company uh, cars and stuff when they um, implemented uh, scrum they used uh, I think they called it races instead of sprints Right. Because they changed the definition and they created their own terminology that made sense within their context so that they could customize it and not get confused with the other thing of the actual name that they're subbing from. And I think I feel that that that. I, I feel that that needs to happen more, but I'm also conscious that nobody gives a crap about what Martin wants. Right. Um, and just because I, I would like to see that doesn't mean anybody else really cares. And that's also something that we have to understand as, as coaches and facilitators and, and PSTs. All three of us here are professional Scrum trainers with Scrum.org. Um, and we've mentioned WhatsApp a couple of times. There's a, there's a WhatsApp group. There's a Slack group for our community. Um, and we talk about all kinds of things on there. Sometimes it's just rants, right? But um, we do talk about things on there and that we we need to get over ourselves as well that not everybody else cares about our topic as much as we care about our topic
1: yeah yeah for sure i think um i'm i'm liking the distinction here in terms of some language doesn't really matter you know we can argue about it because it's interesting and we can get into the details of why like mindset Ultimately the language evolved, it's common parlance and people more or less understand what we're referring to with it. When language does matter, it's things like unit testing. And I would maybe even go so far as it truly matters when we're making commitment towards it. When we're committing to this language meaning a certain thing and thus impacting other people, then we might want to be more careful how we're actually using it. So
2: language does matter, vocab does matter, Language does change, it does emerge, it does evolve. This leads us to our second point. How do we encourage, demonstrate, model, like drink our own champagne and get folks in the agile echo chamber, fishbowl, glass bubble, whatever, to start getting out of this Place because you know, you, you mentioned it framework wars, semantic wars. You know, my framework's better than your framework, my definition of rectangle is better than yours. Um, we, we've seen it in the year of 23, where there's been people are re evaluating the actual value add of agile coaches, scrum masters. We've seen, I've, I've noticed a trend of rise of products, people. Uh, tending towards the term product management instead of product ownership, but they want product ownership. But in the same way that, like, rant of mine, DevOps is just Scrum done properly. But as per Martin Fowler's flaccid Scrum article, so many people were calling it Scrum and it was just lack of process discipline, lack of done. Yep. They needed, to, the industry needed to find a term to making sure that this thing can go out the door safely hence DevOps. And it took me a few years to realize why I was so grumpy about it. And apart from my default background state of grumpy, um, um, so exceptionally grumpy. Um, and then, then I realized it's just they had to, we had to come up with a new term, because the old term was so abused. Now, given that there's this noise about Agile's dead, there is a reevaluation of the value that coaches, trainers, scrum masters, supporting agents uh, apply in business. What's next? Where do we go from here, Oscar?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. I know, you know, it's something I've done. I think almost any practitioner to distinguish from those who do just sit around the navel gaze and actively do nothing, but they're actually just not doing nothing. Uh, The people have actually affected change, right? Often I have found that we have, by necessity, essentially done Agile or Scrum by stealth. Right. That is to say, we do it, but we don't use any of the language because it's been tainted. And I think we're seeing a larger reaction to that as well, as a lot of people have been in these bad environments, and they've gotten people they thought were expert who have they you know now have fired, realizing they were not expert, to help them try and improve things. And as such, now they have this bad taste in their mouth of, of Agile or of Scrum, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I'm not entirely sure where the next step is. You know, I'm, I'm, I've seen noise around Agile 2.0, Scrum 2.0, all these other things. Now, to be clear, there are official things being called that I'm not bashing on them specifically. It's more about, I'm not sure that is the answer as such. I do think yeah. maybe a, a larger rebrand or rethink might be needed especially as we are now realizing very much it's not about software it's about you know complex tricky problems that we're trying to figure out right and no, and cool. how we organize as people around solving those uh, and then i think maybe it is worthwhile moving from things like the agile manifesto which if for being finicky talks about better software development right? yep even though i tend to switch out software for product in my oh. own
0: courses for example yeah, yeah, yeah i do as well i i i, yeah. I, I score it out and have I think I I remember working with an organization in Norway, I guess close to 10 years ago, between eight and 10 years ago. And they, they talked about uh, transformational fatigue. That they'd ha- already had five or six organization-wide attempts to change the organization. And they'd all resulted in, in, in flaccid change, let's call it flaccid change, ineffective un unrealized outcomes, because I'm, 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 I'm going to suggest that it's because they wouldn't let go of the Tayloristic practices that are the root of the reason why the, the fundamental let's base our business model on distrust, right? That fundamental thing. Um, and they didn't address that, and I think that's the thing that when I when I look at the the Agile 2.0s, which there's nothing wrong with. I, I've I've read some of the stuff around it, and all of the things that other people have been trying to do, because all of the experts kind of agree, right? This is the thing we're all arguing online about semantics for the ten percent we disagree on. Rather than just agreeing and having a, a, a unified front on the 90% we do agree on right but when you when you go and look at agile 2.0 I'm reading the stuff going but that's just what we've always been talking about with agile it's just that there's there's it's branched right and there's the the and I'm going to be very specific the the, the, the scrumbok type of version of of, of, of agile right which is from really, MMY. well it's 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 let's let's take let's take all these concepts in agile and implement them in a tayloristic based on distrust way and then we can sell that to organizations because then they don't have to change right so they're more amenable or we can we can we can say where where we're doing agile
2: There's a one-to-one mapping of all current accountabilities roles. Yeah,
0: without having to actually change anything. Here's here's the project manager who runs the scrum team, right? Okay. What all of these endeavors, and I'm being generalistic, so if one of your endeavors is slightly different, I'm not trying to poop on that, but almost all of the endeavors that I have seen have been trying to focus on addressing that difference between the fundamental premise of distrust to the fundamental premise of trust.
2: Which I, see, I see it differently. It's, it's really weird. It's, it's like uh, the overweight person who's going to the un fitness coach and the fitness coach says to them, do more exercise, eat less food. And they're like, but you suck. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to go and get another fitness coach that says that I can eat pies, drink beer, and binge on Netflix. You know, that's Until I get the fitness coach that tells me that, you're all wrong. And I think there's been a, a fair chunk of that out in the world where people just go, oh, give me the magic wand. And, and Unfortunately, there's a lot of big consultancies out there making huge coin just going in there going, yeah, 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 you can still operate on distrust and we can nano-manage and we can yell and tell and, you know, life will be golden Um, because it's very hard to go into a a large organisation and say, look, fundamentally, we need to empower our teams, we need to invert control, we need to delegate accountability, we need to be clear about the constraints, we need to support our people's decision-making process, get on with it. And I've seen an example where... You know, there's few examples where that has worked better than others, yep. but it requires true executive buy-in. Yep. Hmm. And it's non-trivial because every time I've seen it, it gets so far. And then at some point, somebody goes, yeah, I think it's better off if I make all the decisions. Because it's risk-managed. And that that that's that's where it breaks down. And then somebody says, "Oh, we should try version X." And I've I've been in places where you couldn't use Agile vocabulary because it had been burnt because of change fatigue. Yep. Hmm. And I I really you know I reckon the next place to go to is less framework, not more. And so that if we double down on some principles and just said, "Look, what we want is short feedback loops." clear articulation of value and continuous improvement. That's it. Don't care what you call it. Don't care how you do it. Just make sure your feedback loops shorter than a month. Make sure that whatever you're giving to your customer is safe, as in risk-free, is consumable by them with no potential damage, not a framework reference. Make sure Mm -hmm. it's it's finished, completed, um, and then learn from that at least monthly. I, I, yeah. I think that's where it should be going, but then we're going to need people who've been there, done that, build products to be able to coach and guide that and help have enough uh, organisational intelligence, understanding of politics, emotional intelligence, all that, that that whole spectrum of stuff to be able to help but people that, find the way.
0: Unfortunately, Simon, that, that just currently isn't fundamentally possible because the demand for those people vast, ridiculously vastly outstrips the supply of. Them.
2: I, I disagree. I, I don't think there's enough organization that have got the actual balls to ask somebody to come in, challenge their way of thinking and support them changing. There's very few that do it. Most of them just want to pay the panacea. I actually sacked a client because they wanted me there as window dressing saying, yeah, we're agile because we got this clown." Yep, it's got the badges. So we must be agile. Whereas I just went, you're wasting my time and your money because you're really not interested in changing. So you know what? I'm out.
1: Yeah. I've had that conversation with clients as well when I've been asked to support a department and they said, hey, help these guys. And I go there and no one wants to. They want and I said, well, I can keep harassing them, but they're not going to go anywhere because they don't want to. Right. You know, I have to go to their desk to be able to talk to them. They will not showing up to any of our.
2: get out of my lounge room i'm quite happy sitting here eating my pizza watching netflix i'm going to get fit on my terms i really don't want to go to the gym it's not your job to tell me
0: i think it's very much true what ken has always said which is that organizations are most willing to change when they've just totally and utterly failed to achieve whatever it is they were set out to achieve right that's
2: right.
1: I think that's what Carter mentions as well, right? Burning platforming and leading change, right? Yeah. What's yeah. their burning need for change?
2: Yeah. There's got to be a trigger or motivation, right? So it's either they're transitioning, they're transitioning phase, they're, they're growing, they're expanding. There's a realization that there's some uh, opportunity uh, in the marketplace, mm-hmm. but,
0: but isn't this- basically something's
2: highlighting that they need to do something different, right?
0: isn't this the difference between the the uh, so for me there's a huge difference between me helping an organization right they need they need my specific skill set to help them and that's where you know you Oscar and and you Simon are talking about well if i feel i can't help them i'm not going to stick around and 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 waste everybody's time right i'm going to go somewhere where i can be can get can help people um but fundamentally organizations can only change from within that's this is my this is martin's feeling that organizations can only fundamentally change from within and i can only support that change i can't make that change and i don't i don't feel that any external bollocks can make change in an organization it has to be there and perhaps we're there to to light the blue touch paper right but if the (laughs) firework just goes then there's not anything we can do about that as external people who don't actually work for the company and don't have any authority in the company
1: Uh, there was something to to what you were saying and and in in you know the need for change and, and impacting change um, this goes back to that wonderful group we're part of with our fellow peers. Someone shared uh, something near and dear to my heart. CD Projekt Red, fantastic game studio, released some of my favorite games. Yep. I'm a massive nerd and gamer. Uh, and they only recently started working Agile, from what I understand. Yep.
0: Uh, and in response to someone... the cyberpunk game failure.
1: Yeah, and I have played Cyberpunk since. It's a wonderful game, but when it first came out, massive disaster. Massive disaster. Huge flop. Terrible it was reception. The
2: first one to get universal refund from Xbox and PlayStation, right? Cost a billion. Absolutely. Of damage. It's now. Absolutely. We're, we're now years late, right? It's three years late. It, it took them to, to fix that mess. And it's interesting. Like Visual Studio did the same thing between 2010 and 2012. Like Visual Studio 2010 had more bugs than an Afghan camel driver's blanket, right? It was just.
0: Hmm. Simon, Simon, between the between the beta launch and the production launch, forty five thousand bugs were fixed.
2: That's a lot, right? Dang. Now, that's it's, to, that's to, incredible. To it's incredible. To tie it's into Mark's point,
0: working on it, that's a lot of bugs.
2: Yeah. So, change can only ever come from someone, and like this is the the coaching premise. Like the only person who can change you is you. Full stop. Now, when it comes to organisational change, like change, have, helping one person change is tricky. Helping lots of people change is exponentially tricky. And this is where working with leadership to create the conditions for change, and this is really important. This is where I, I find brain-based coaching fascinating because it's about the two state. If you create an away state, we want to change from. It's a it's a, it's a change based in fear and negativity. Whereas if you Change a two-state, and this is like Snowden's talking about, thinking about a direction of travel. It's more rewarding. It opens up more positivity. Now, when you're helping teams, departments, organisations move to that two-state, you have to create direction, purpose, all that quarter model stuff, but helping people get there. Now, what I've noticed sometimes, and this would probably go against a lot of what people say, oh, that's not proper coaching. Every Now, and then, hello, witcher, um, every now and then, you need to help people get unstuck. And this is where I sometimes like people say, oh, you're a directive scrum master. It's like, yeah, because sometimes people need a little bit of cold, hard truth. And there's times where I've needed it, where people just say, look, you suck, mate, sort yourself out, stop doing this. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't even see it that way. And it's been super helpful. And, this is why we need to balance it. And I'm just wondering whether this is where we're at with um, the need to move towards evidence-based work, the needs towards being more value-based, to be more ruthless and relentless in supporting our companies and to actually engage in some of these tougher discussions, not um, not the to, to get out of the coaching stance into a bit of the consulting stance and just go look, here's, here's some cold-hearth truths. You know, this stuff needs to happen. Right, that was a bit of a monologue. What do you reckon?
1: No, I think you're, I think you're onto something there. And I think it, it's tricky because we see it a lot. in uh, one of the things I really like doing is whatever we're doing in terms of work and, and professionalism, etc., I try to take it outside of there and take it into general life and, and other parts and see where things link up in terms of just how systems behave and how people behave and you see the similar things in in terms of uh, addiction and other things as well you know if you have someone smoking or drinking too much etc you're not going to convince them to change doesn't matter how much you badger them doesn't matter how many things you put in this boxes until they decide to change they will not change uh, and you see that a lot sometimes what you can do is you can facilitate that by making the impact clear Right. Interventions, etc., have worked, for example, in terms of addiction, where people say, hey, you know, you think it's only impacting you, but we are all impacted by this. Uh, and I think as coaches, sometimes that what we can do is what we can do is, is help make the impact clear. You know, I like to use a slightly inflammatory term, which is you don't have to become agile, but others will. And then when you're the last one not doing it, you're not going to be competitive, but you don't have to. Yeah. And it's cheeky, right? But it's kind of true. And when you try and paint that picture to people, they're like, oh, okay, so we are a market leader now. But in five years, maybe we won't be unless we change.
0: But that, isn't that... From I, I feel like that's the, the truest form of consulting, right? Which is hmm. as consultants, not coaches, right? But as consultants... I
1: was going to say, I don't like the word coach anymore, but yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, 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 I don't like it either for that for that reason um but I, as as a consultant we're there to provoke change
2: i even though it is provoke, but perhaps uh, be a catalyst or an agent of change
0: i would say that that's just another word for provoking
2: change yeah the, the, i did yeah the re- the reason maybe it's, mean, it's just because i'm not from glasgow i don't like the word provoke too much yeah,
0: yeah. come at me man come at me
2: yeah you uh, want something to me <laughs> i'll give you oh, a head for the head mate
0: in glasgow it would be i'm gonna to stake to you right? yeah
2: <laughs> anyway yeah so I, I think that's that effectively you're like do you want to do a kodak right kodak were the world leaders for a hell of a long time
0: yep
2: do you know kodak moment means a completely different thing now back when i was growing up because i'm old it meant take a photo of something really cool Nowadays, it's the uh, it's referencing that point where you don't realise that your competition's about to wipe the floor with you. That's the Kodak moment these days. So, where are we getting to? Just thinking about time and uh, our lovely listeners is, um, yeah, words do matter, but don't get precious about it. Uh, to quote the lovely Eminem, um, I find it offensive. You find it offensive. You find me offensive. You know, so stop being precious about it. Build a common understanding. Reserved words still need to be reserved. Go and see. Unless we, in the leadership space, start taking on our accountabilities as consultants and change agents more professionally is it's a dying career. So yes, there will be space. However, you best help more effective change be realized. Otherwise just mm. go away.
1: Yeah. There's something I like to share in all my classes, which is the number one rule is to not get fired. If you care about the results of where you're going and then you push as hard as you can up to that point,
2: because you if you cannot- get fired, you can't help change. Yeah, Ken always used to say there's no, you know, a dead scrum master is no good to anyone.
0: It's the same as what teenagers do, right? They push the bounds of the rules until we as parents believe that the rules are, we can change the rules, right? They're, they're mature is the wrong word, but they're, they're, they're experienced enough uh, 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 to be able to cope with that change in the rules and then the rules change. But I think in, in lots of organisations, there's a culture of fear. And that culture of fear prevents what it is we're talking about. You are never going to get any sort of meaningful change in an organization with a culture of fear.
2: So creating the conditions, helping the leadership create the conditions of change. So the, this is yeah. like a, it ties back to the Kotter model, understanding the motivation for change, helping people understand the purpose of the change, helping the organizations create the conditions of change and then helping that organization unfreeze to start enacting the change. Yeah. And be prepared for a rough ride, right? There's change is hard. Doesn't matter which way you, you you skin it, doing things differently is tricky because it's different and it's hard and people are funny. And um, that's sort of rounds it out. So if you're listening, uh well, hopefully somebody else if apart from us three man. are listening to this. Um we'd love to hear your comments hit us up yeah. um what do you, what do you think uh, are we on track did anything we say resonate with you is there questions from this that you think we haven't explored is there something you'd like to explore what's your experiences we we'd love your feedback um like subscribe um tell friends that would be cool um would be cool that would be cool and Until next time, thank you very much, Martin. Thank you very much, Oscar. Thank you, Ryan.
0: Thank you very much for listening.
2: And that's Agile, actually.